0: I always think if my great-grandparents were alive in 2021, like what would they think? I think he would say Lubbock has a long way to go. I just know that it would kind of break his heart to see that he's done all this and even then it's still not enough. In
1: 1923, the city of Lubbock established an ordinance that confined African-Americans to the Eastern area of the city. Out of that confinement grew a tight-knit community of educators, innovators, and mentors. These are some of the stories from those who have helped their community blossom even in the shadows of the past.
0: All right. Hi, my name is Michaela Holmes and I am 22 years old. I am a recent college graduate from Texas Tech University Um, and I live in Lubbock, specifically East Lubbock. I've lived in East Lubbock my entire life.
1: Michaela Holmes comes from a long line of influential East Lubbock residents. She's actually 23, but she filmed this vlog during quarantine.
0: I come from a pretty, close family, not pretty close, a very close family. I live with my mom and my grandma right now in the house that actually my mom grew up in. My room actually used to be my uncle's bedroom.
1: Her family's legacy spans the decades of Lubbock's history. Their roots extend before the construction of I-27, a project that essentially cut off East Lubbock from the rest of the city, before schools were forced to integrate in 1970 and well before a Black person served in city leadership. And throughout these decades, the Holmes family thrived, and Michaela takes that legacy seriously.
0: Knowing that, like, George Woods Holmes is my great-grandfather, and he was a Black male in the 20s, 30s, 40s, like, back when it was so horrible and super, super scary. There's a park named after him in East Lubbock, and I actually, when I was in high school, I took some of my graduation pictures there. Anytime, like, we have extended family that come in from other parts of Texas, we always try and take a picture at the, at the George Wood sign. He made it out, and he made a name for himself, and he earned people's respect. So it's just like, why can't I do that? And my grandma did the same thing.
2: My dad told me many, many, he's been dead for 30 years, but he used to tell me, if they can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. This is my grandma,
0: or I call her Yaya. What
2: he did was mostly walk around downtown and shake hands and tip his hat and talk to everybody. Everybody. Knows. But he worked for lp l for many years. He worked for the Urban Renewal for many years. He worked at College Department Store, which was across the street from uh, Hemphill Wells. He, uh, he did several odds and ends. And like I said, he didn't finish college. But
0: he was a smart man, great grandpa. He wasn't just a pillar in East Lubbock. He was a pillar in Lubbock in general. Mm-hmm. And he ju- and from the stories that I've heard growing up, like he helped people get jobs. He helped people if they wanted to go back to school, he'll find ways to get them to go back to school and stuff like that. Like they trusted his opinion with pretty much anything. Like if there was an election, they would always call him and be like, "Okay, like George, who do we vote for? <laughs> like, if who are you voting for because we're going to vote for them too." um and school was a big deal to him because he grew up he was born in temple in east texas and then he went to college but he didn't get to graduate college so he always made sure that every single one of us had that education my whole family is a group of educators that's actually what made me want to go into teaching and i realized that kind of started with him
1: we sat down with historian Cosby Morton to discuss school integration, which was forced on Lubbock in 1970. For reference, Brown versus Board of Education, the landmark Supreme Court case that integrated schools across the country, happened in 1954.
3: Prior to 1961 or 62, in fact, her grandmother was involved in this. If you were a black teacher, the only place you could teach in Lubbock, Texas was Wheatley Elementary L.I. Isles Elementary, or Dunbar High School. Couldn't teach anywhere else. That's why a lot of them started, her grandmother, Mrs. Vernita Holmes, started in Slayton. The schools that I, and I want to talk, talk to you about the school that was segregated. We did not see white students. We didn't compete against them in anything. Not athletics, not music. And we were introduced at a young age to symphony music. We were introduced to Band music. But in 1970, they decided to give the people opportunities. In order to give them opportunities, they transferred the teachers that had been at Dunbar 20 years, maybe 30. They transferred them out of Dunbar into the other schools. The school was the glue that held the community together. I
4: graduated from Dunbar High School in 1975.
1: Here's Michaela's uncle, Duke.
4: Uh, You know, growing up, I didn't go to any school that had white people until in the ninth grade, that's when they bust us from the O.L. Slayton. And growing up from first through eighth grade, all my teachers were black, all my classmates were black. And it wasn't that I was just, I wasn't prejudiced, but that was my comfort zone. And I can remember the first year, uh, you know, we was coming back and I don't know if you ever heard, but it was a shooting where a white guy shot a black guy in the bathroom and killed it.
1: The shooting he's talking about happened at Dunbar High School in September of 71. Here's an excerpt from the West Texas Times dated September 16, 1971. It read, Last week will go down in history of Lubbock, Texas as a shocking one. The tense situation came about last Thursday afternoon in the Hub City when a young black Willie Ray Coyere, 16, was shot in the halls of Dunbar High School shortly before 2.40 p.m. He was dead on arrival at Methodist Hospital. A bullet lodged in his left chest. Murder with malice charges were filed in juvenile court against a white youth, Jeff Carl Carver.
4: And I can remember we was coming back because when we arrived riding the bus from O. S. Leighton, they would drop us off at Dunbar. And it was all these police cars and all this commotion and people crying and like, what happened? They said, well such and such shot Collier. I think his last name was Collier. And I can remember being so angry that they bust us and a white guy comes over here to my community and kill one of my people. It was just frustrating times, you know, and I just remember some protesting going down in the middle of 34th and Q.
1: Dunbar High School was at one time the shining star in the East Lubbock community. But not long after schools integrated, the community found their esteemed school on the brink of closure. Miss Billy Cavale served on the school board for 6 years. Do you remember what it was like when the schools integrated and what kind of impact it had on Dunbar?
2: Yeah. Well, I think I just know they they wanted to close Dunbar and Making an alternative school, and I was able to get them to make it a I thought a viable school, junior high school at that time they called them junior high. You know when integration came, a lot of people moved to different parts of town, and it affected enrollment. I guess that's what caused it.
5: When you say you're a Dunbar graduate, that meant a lot, and to have move that is almost like moving the world for some folks. They just had so much pride.
1: Stacy Cavele Watson is Billy's Dunbar. daughter. And I think that a she grew of of them up them like in the Dunbar area, like but like went to high did. school after schools um, were desegregated. Lot, so she never got to be a Dunbar season, Panther. So.
5: Growing up in the Dunbar community, all we ever knew was Dunbar High School. We all anticipated becoming Dunbar Panthers. Oh. A lot of people were really kind of angered because they didn't understand why you took such a staple that belonged to the community. They were concerned about losing their identity as a community, losing that on the pride. And you also have to understand the history of Dunbar also goes back to segregation. African American students were not allowed. That was the building or the facilities that were donated to for African American students to go to. They didn't have any other choices of buildings to go to.
1: Dunbar is now a middle school. And Michaela, now an educator herself, feels a special connection to the school that educated her family.
0: When I was doing my student teaching at Dunbar, I met with the principal and a couple of teachers, and they were just like, why do we have someone requesting to come to Dunbar for their student teaching out of all the other middle schools in Lubbock? And then they looked at the name and they were like, she's a Holmes.
2: When I graduated high school, of course, Blacks couldn't go to Tech, so, I went to Houston Tillerson, which was Houston Tillerson College at the time, and it's in Austin, Texas. And, you know, you could stand there on Houston Tillerson campus and look over there at UT, but we couldn't go. So we did a protest to overturn some of the segregated things that were going on. We were at a store called Woodworth, and they had a counter and stools, but blacks couldn't sit there. So we protested, and we sat there on the uh, stools. And if anybody had to get up for any reason, they would take the top off of the stool. And so this big guy came by, a white guy came by. He had something, but he said, you want to be this color, now you are. And it was something white, liquid, that he just went down the aisle and poured on us. Of course, it was on the news, and my mother saw it. And she called me, come home now.
0: I had always, like, heard about, like, you know, civil rights stories and protests and stuff growing up. But that was the first time I heard a civil rights story that, like, was, that was my grandma. And I was like, oh, so, like, this affected, like, everybody. And I just kind of felt proud, I guess, because my grandma was actually in that. And I've actually, like, seen, like, the parallels and stuff, especially now with the whole George Floyd situation, the Breonna Taylor situation it's almost kind of like history repeating itself. (laughs) Like I went to the, I was at the protest at the Tim Cole statue and she did not want me to go at all. She was like, you're not going. I don't want you to go. I don't think it's a good idea. And now I understand why. Cause I went to, I think I went to like two or three. And the first one I went to was the protest where the gunman came Mm -hmm. and it was absolute (laughs) craziness. It just, Kind of makes me sad that, you know, 50, 60, 70 years later, the same fight that my grandma had to fight and the same fight that my uncle had had to fight. (laughs) (laughs) The same fight that my uncle had to fight, I'm still having to fight now in my 20s, Mm -hmm. in 2020, 2021. Growing up in Lubbock, you know, you always kind of feel like the other. When you're when you're a person of color, you just feel like you're othered. Knowing that I have like the Holmes name attached to me, and I have that, it always kind of gave me like that's the kind of like gave me the strength that I needed. Knowing that like George Woods Holmes is my great grandfather, and he made it out, and he made a name for himself, and he earned people's respect. So it's just like, why can't I do that? And my grandma did the same thing. You know, like she grew up here and, and she became like one of the longest running school board members in Lubbock. When people find out that Bernita Woods Holmes is my grandma, people are like, okay, I know who I'm dealing with. I'm just proud to have that name attached to me.
1: Beyond the Report is brought to you in part by Texas Tech physicians, obstetrics, and gynecology. To check out the full series of Beyond the Report, a plan for progress, go to beyondthereportlbk.com.